Great. Well, how are you doing tonight? You right? I'm looking forward to that week of prayer, and I'm looking forward to, um, after this meeting, eating pizza downstairs as well. Just so I hope you can stick around for that as well. This is a church that's all about the pizza. You've probably worked that out by now. But um, So we're doing this series we're calling uh, Conversations with the King. And here was the thought as we were just thinking through this series. We thought, isn't this remarkable? That the God who lives in unapproachable light, he's so holy and different to us. In fact, because of human sin, the first humans got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Yet 2,000 years ago, there are four people who record remarkable stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, about someone who came from heaven to earth, God himself, and he spoke to us. He had conversations with us. And we're calling this series Conversations with the King because these conversations, every one of them should make our hair stand on end because we are in touch with the divine as we look at these stories. And we're going to read from John chapter 3 today. And this is a, a pretty well-known uh, story about Jesus meeting a man called Nicodemus. And I'm going to read the verses. They, they'll appear on the screen. There we go. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, and everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you've ever wondered where the term born-again Christian comes from, it's right here in these verses. Jesus says, you must be born again. And in fact, that phrase has kind of become popular just in culture generally. People often talk about having born-again experiences in all sorts of areas, born-again sportsmanship, born-again everything. It's an idea of your life can be made brand new. And Jesus is talking about that very concept that your life can start again from scratch, as a baby is born, to be born again. And in fact, in these verses, Jesus is pointing out that really there is no other kind of Christian that you can have other than one that is born again. So if you think, no, that sounds like some kind of American kind of weird thing. No, no, it's right here 
in these verses. You must be born again. There was a famous uh, preacher by the name of George Whitfield uh, back in the 1800s. He preached about 100,000 people in Glasgow at one point. And uh, this was his favorite verse that he used to preach on. Wherever he went, up and down the, the British Isles, both sides of the Atlantic. And he used to preach this verse, you must be born again, you must be born again. A friend kind of collared him one day and he says, Sir, George, it's getting a bit tired. You know what? Why, why do you keep preaching on this one verse? And he just looked straight back at his friend and he said, because you must be born again. <laughs> now, we're going to look at this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. So let, let's ask the question, well, who is Nicodemus? This is the first time we meet him in the Bible. And we come across him in a couple of other places too. Um, and uh, that's, that's him right there. And, <laughs> um, and we meet him here and he has many questions. We meet him and he's not a believer at this point. Jesus kind of says to him at the end of this, he says, you do not understand, you do not believe these things. He's not a believer yet. In John chapter 7 verse 51, uh, you can put the next slide on. We meet him again, and and there's a group of Jewish leaders who've got it in for Jesus, and they want to arrest him. They want him gone. And Nicodemus stands up for Jesus, and he says, says, does somebody get condemned without a trial around here? He's not yet there in terms of his own faith, but he, he takes that moment to disagree with what others are saying about Jesus. And then we meet him in John chapter 19, verse 39, where we find him with Joseph of Arimathea taking down the dead body of Jesus from a cross. And Joseph brings some very, very costly, and and, uh, Nicodemus brings some very costly spices, showing that he was a very wealthy man who was prepared to give his money to this person, Jesus, and he anoints Jesus' body ready for burial. What we see about Nicodemus, therefore, is that he's a man on a journey, And I'm guessing here tonight that you're on a journey, I'm on a journey, in terms of our understanding of who God is, who Jesus is. And all of us start somewhere. Some of us in this room tonight will be thinking, well, I'm nowhere with God. I've not even given him a lot of thought right now, but do you know what? That's exactly where it starts for Nicodemus. But do you know, over time, and through this conversation, and through watching and learning, Nicodemus comes to a place of remarkable faith by the end of this gospel. So uh, what, what do we uh, see about Nicodemus? He's a wealthy man. He, he embalms Jesus' body with, with uh, expensive spices. He's influential. We read that he's part of the Jewish ruling council, which were the people who really uh, had control in the Jewish community. Um, we also see that he's a, he's a thinker. He's a thinker. I don't know if you consider yourself a thinker, somebody who stops to think about the world and about life. We read this phrase that, that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Now, there's different reasons why he might have come to Jesus at night. It could be that he was a bit busy during the day being a, a, a Jewish ruling leader. It could be that Jesus was a bit busy and hard to get to during the day. But here's the thing that did happen at night in Jewish culture. The lights went off and there was no electricity. And there was a moment in that culture where people would literally stop and the lights went down, the sun went down and you had a choice of what you were going to do for that evening, whether you were going to go to sleep or light a candle. And this is what Nicodemus did. 
he began to think about this remarkable teacher called Jesus of Nazareth, and he thought there's something about him. I wonder if there's enough space in your life to learn about the wonderful person who Jesus is. Our phones are pinging at us all the time, the social media, all of that stuff. The life is busy. We have electricity, which is a great blessing, but hey, I just wonder sometimes if we don't create the space to ponder. I want to invite you tonight to ponder the person of Jesus because Nicodemus, he came to some remarkable conclusions about Jesus just from his pondering and observation. We also see that he's an elderly person because he says to Jesus, can a, can a man be born again in his old age? He, but in his, here's something that usually happens for people as they grow older. They, they grow more stubborn and less flexible and they're less interested in learning new ideas. You know, people talk about it's impossible to teach an old dog new tricks. Well, Nicodemus wasn't like that. In his old age, he was saying, gosh, this looks interesting. I want to encourage you to be somebody like him who who doesn't think age and maturity is to do with thinking your opinion is right. We also see that he has a bit of a sense of humor about him. That when, and the interesting thing about this humor is if Nicodemus had a British sense of humor, it would be a sarcastic, biting kind of sense of humor. So when Jesus said to him, uh, Nicodemus pays him a compliment. He says, you're a teacher sent from God. Nicodemus could have said, because Jesus answers, you must be born again. He said, he said please answer the question, Jesus. Please don't take us off down a, another line. But what he does is he comes back at Jesus with gentle humor. He says, do you want me to climb back in my mother's womb? Do you see what he's doing? Now, what he's doing, he's not being silly. He's seeking clarification. He uses humor appropriately and helpfully to actually get deeper. He wants to know more because he's inquisitive, because he's a thinker. He thinks, I'm not going to settle for the first answer because I really don't understand it. Who on earth knows what Jesus means when he says, you've got to be born again? He says, please tell me more. So if you're a thinker, if you're on a journey today, if you have questions, then this is for you. So Nicodemus begins with these words, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher sent from God. No one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. He's observed the facts, and these are his conclusions. He's seen it up front for himself. Jesus does miracles that are humanly impossible. His conclusion, therefore, is there's something about the divine, about Jesus. There's something about God with him that he needs to investigate. Now, when, on other occasions, when, for example, when uh, Peter, when Jesus said to Peter, who do people say that I am? And some people said, John the Baptist. Some said, a prophet or Elijah, and, and Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of God. You know what happened on that occasion? Jesus said to Peter, well done. Well done, Peter. This wasn't revealed to you by flesh, but my, my Father in heaven. He paid, he, he congratulated Peter. He paid him a compliment. He says, well done you. On this occasion, isn't it interesting that Nicodemus says, Jesus, I can see who you are and that God is with you. No compliment from Jesus. He says, Nicodemus, that's not enough. You must be born again. God wants more from us than, 
than just to acknowledge who he is. The very nature of what it is to acknowledge who Jesus is means that he must change our lives because Jesus just turns it around and says, this isn't just about me, Nicodemus, it's about you. You're right in saying that I am from God, but you must be born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. What does he mean by the kingdom of God? Well, I heard somebody describe it this way. The kingdom of God is the reign of God that he brings about through Jesus, the establishment of God's rule in hearts and lives of people, the overcoming of all evil forces, all forces of evil, the removal of the world, the removal from the world of all the consequences of sin, including death, and all that diminishes life, and the creation of a new order of righteousness and peace. If Nicodemus is saying that there's something different about Jesus, Jesus is saying to him there can be something different about him if he comes into this kingdom. What he said, Nicodemus is saying, Jesus, I can see you're part of something different. Jesus says, and you can be too. So, Nicodemus asks a clarifying question about being born again. He says, can I be into my mother's womb again? Here's the question. Is this physical? Jesus, are you talking about a physical experience? Jesus says no. And uh, he says you must be born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to, to spirit. Born of water and the spirit. The easiest way to understand is the contrast between flesh and spirit. Born of water. When somebody's born, there's usually all that water. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, so you have to be born once as a human being, and you have to be born a second time spiritually from above, born of the Spirit, born again. That's what true living looks like. That's what true life looks like. It's to be born physically, but it's to be born spiritually as well. This is unsurprising news a famous uh, mathematician by the name of Blaise Pascal once said, we all have a God-shaped hole inside of us. Adam and Eve, they were made to walk in the garden with God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word of God. We were made to be born of the Spirit. You know, our whole future identity isn't tied up with our flesh upbringing. Yeah, we've been born in a place, in a family. Some of us have had disadvantaged backgrounds. Some of us have had privileged backgrounds. But Jesus is saying here, the main thing that defines your future isn't your background, it isn't your past. It's this second birth that changes the very nature of who we are. And there's a secret of the Spirit's activity. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. He's saying it's not a universal experience. It could be that you feel the wind of the Spirit. You could feel the, the breath of God on your life. Whereas the person next to you says, well, I didn't really understand it. This Spirit is life-giving to some and despised and not understood by others. Here's the thing, that, that, I don't know if you read this, when I read these verses, I think Nicodemus seems to get more confused the more Jesus talks. Do you, do you see that? And 
So Jesus is gentle with him. So Nicodemus is, he just, the questions get shorter. He just says, how? How? How can I be born again? Maybe you're asking the question like, well, how? How does this happen? Jesus makes it really easy for Nicodemus because he tells him a story. He says, you're Israel's teacher. He says, I'm going to tell you a story from Israel's history. Now, this isn't a story from our history, so you've probably never heard this story before. So I'm going to explain it really briefly. So he talks about this incident where Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness. You know the story? Some of us do. Okay, I'll, I'll explain it. It's kind of a, it's an unusual story. So the people of God, they've been led out of captivity in Egypt. And they're, they're walking through the wilderness. God is their provider. He's providing supernatural bread from heaven for them every day. It's manna. It's God's provision. And he's given them a leader, Moses, who's going to walk them through the desert into the promised land. And on that journey, they turn against Moses, God's appointed leader, God's representative, and they despise him. And they say, he's, we've lost all faith and hope in him. They complain about him. And they say, you know what, this bread, we hate this bread. We despise it. We'd rather be back as slaves in Egypt. And it was rebellion against God. They were saying, we don't want the bread, and we don't want God's person to lead us anymore. It was outright rebellion. So God sent judgment, and he sent snakes, venomous snakes, which bit some of them. Some of them died. And the people cried out. They said, Moses, we're so sorry. And they said, what can we do? So Moses goes to God. He says, what shall I do? And God says to Moses, I want you to, to make a bronze snake and to put it on a pole and to lift it up. And he says, anybody who looks to this snake will be healed and they will live. And that's exactly what they did. People who'd been bitten became healed because they looked to this thing that God had put there. Here's the interesting thing that happened in that story. The very source of judgment became the source of salvation. The very thing that was causing them problems because of their sinfulness now was lifted up on a pole and whoever looked to it found that they were spared, that they were saved and they were healed. What's Jesus talking about? Well, he tells us what he's talking about. He says, he says Nicodemus, you remember that story? Well, he said, this is how it's going to be. He says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, talking about himself, must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. He's saying this, Nicodemus, what you need to watch for isn't the snake in the wilderness. It's when I am lifted up, and if you look to me, you'll find salvation, not judgment. This is what it is to be born again. Now, I think that makes total sense of then why John tells us that Nicodemus was there when Jesus' body came down from the cross. Because what it tells us is this, that Nicodemus went away from this story, not totally confused, but thinking, I'm going to watch this guy, and I'm going to see what happens. And when he gets lifted up, whatever that looks like, which Jesus was on the cross, he thinks, this is it. This is my moment. This is when I get born again, because I'm looking to the one who is lifted up. He becomes my healing. The judge becomes my salvation. 
My sin is dealt with, and I'm born again. And it changes Nicodemus's life. He's there, holding on to that body of Jesus prior to his resurrection, because he knows that that is the key to his salvation, his new birth. John then concludes with these two verses, which are probably the most famous verses in the Bible. And this is his summary of all that has happened in this conversation with Nicodemus. He says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him, that, but to save the world through him. Here's what I want to encourage us to do tonight. To ask yourself this question, have you been born again? Have you looked to the Son, lifted up on your behalf, the judge becoming your salvation, forgiveness of sins available so that new spiritual birth can be yours? Have you considered today that your life can be made brand new, all of the past removed, the things that stain you, the things that hold you back? God can cleanse us and make our lives brand new. And here's the wonderful thing about this new life. It gets newer and newer. You know the trouble with new stuff? It gets old. Isn't that right? You buy a new car, what happens? You get a scratch. You get a flat tire. You, you, you junk it in 10 years' time. Somebody pays you 50 pounds for it. You think, oh, that was my new car. How different to the analogy of new birth. I mean, babies are okay, aren't they? But they become beautiful. Babies grow. They, they, they form words. They, they, they become physical human beings. That, what, babies that all look the same become different and exciting and interesting. They, they, they develop vocabulary and, and minds and opinions. I love, when I'm a parent, I love watching kids grow up, mostly. <laughs> because what you see is, it's the fullness of who they are, which you saw in sort of seedling baby form, but it's becoming the fullness. This is what it is to be born again. Do you know, some of you have, are kind of in that place, I feel, where you think, you know, I'm just, I'm struggling a bit. Maybe this Christianity thing doesn't work. Do you know the power of God at work in you? You don't get it all on day one. God does them as a lifetime bringing his Holy Spirit to bear in your life so that he, you're born again on day one, but then he's growing you up into full maturity so that one day you'll be like him. I was thinking that verse in the scripture when, when Josh was singing uh, that song about how he loves us. In, in, in 1 John chapter 3, it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we might be called children of God. And that is what we are. It says, Though the world doesn't know him, we know that when we see him, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. Here's the great hope for you and I. Born again here, but one day we'll see Jesus, and we will look just like him. Nobody will say, I mean, there's Jesus, he's amazing, and there's Jess, and gosh, clearly she's nothing like him. They'll say, no, Jess is just like Jesus. Because he's made us born again and he's grown us into likeness and maturity of Christ. So I want to encourage you to put your hope in him and to receive more of his spirit. And if you're, if you're yet to start this journey, this spiritual journey, 
then I want to encourage you into that place today. So maybe we could uh, just stand together and, and, and it'd be great if we could sing a song. And uh, just want to give you an opportunity really to, to come into the family of God. So uh, let's just pray for a moment. If, if you know tonight that, or you feel like perhaps you're not in the family of God, and you'd like to be, that can happen for you today. So, if you'd like to take that step, to be born again of the Spirit of God, just as you were born in the flesh, to start again, with the life of the Spirit flowing through you. Just, just want to invite you to pop your hand up and I'd, I'd love to pray for you if there's anybody in that place tonight. Great, thank you. Anybody else? Great. Hold that. Just, uh, just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for me. Thank you, you said, if I look to you and what you've done, I can be forgiven. I can be brought into your family. I can be made new. The past can be taken away. And I can be secured in a future with you. So come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Help me to live for you and follow you. Amen.